Hi, this is David Key. At Quo, we've worked for the last 20 years with many of the world's best-known travel brands. During this unprecedented global crisis, our world of travel has changed, possibly irreversibly. This series will see us speak with many global leaders to understand how they see the future of travel. Good morning, Joe Cummings, a pioneer of, of travel in Thailand, um, particularly for the last 30 or 40 years, certainly one of the best known, let's say, travelers in Thailand. Welcome, Joe, to the future of travel. Thank you. Thank you for having me, David. Uh, it's our honor. And I'm, as always, with Catherine montien Vicienchai, our chief, the chief branding officer at Quo. Joe is a, a pioneer of independent, of intrepid travel. What is your take on the current crisis? How is this going to shape the future of the way we travel? Uh, what's going to happen? Well, I think no one really knows. It's because it's so nothing like this has ever happened. We've had, you know, there have been political disturbances, wars, coup d'etats, etc., that have interrupted travel uh, for a short interval, but they're usually in very restricted parts. Of the planet, and even the same with, say, SARS and most of the uh, other epidemics we've we've seen. It seems like they've been more geographically restricted, as I recall. Like SARS in particular was Asia, for example, but this one's this swept the entire globe, and uh, and the all of the um, measures that governments have taken to respond to it have, have you know it created a collapse basically of the travel industry. So I don't think anyone knows. I mean, I have a few ideas myself, but you know, the short answer is. No one knows. We'll see. How do you think that, um, do you think the fundamentals of travel might change? Do you think the, re, the, the, the fear factor, the adventure, the inner adventure that we all have within us, that discovery, that leaving the village, um, as I would say, leaving your own tribe, um, will, be, uh, will, will create resistance, will, will, will Will, will hinder the future, or do you think it will come back? I'm I'm optimistic that it will come back. Um, in fact, I think it might be enhanced for in, in the short term. Even um, uh, my optimism extends to, to the extent I think everything is going to be almost completely normal within you know two three years. But uh, who knows? But I think in the short term, the most daring among us and the most inquisitive will be out there testing the, the boundaries of, of, of the infrastructure and the air routes and all of that uh, to find out where you can still go, which are the first places are going to be accessible, which are places will be accessible and safe, shall we say. So um, I think in the short term, you're going to be, travel will be shaped by, by the people who are most bold. And, and picking up on that, Joe, talking about those who are most bold, do you think they're gonna still adventure further and further away into new destinations, or are they gonna maybe be a bit safer going back to places they know and trust and feel comfortable in? I mean, have we seen the end of that more intrepid travel, or do you think people encourage yet? I think not, no, because I think it's. I think it's one another thing that's, you know, if you want to call it a positive of staying home and being locked down is that it gives us a chance to fantasize about travel. I know that's what I'm doing. I'm fantasizing about travel, and I'm not thinking about 
going back to places I've been because I'm thinking, you know, how long would this last and when will the next one come? And so I'm, I'm thinking, I know I want to see the places I haven't been. For example, I'm going to Sweden, uh, Denmark and Sweden next month. So I, and I've never been to either place. So, and I've got a few others. My bucket list is suddenly looking more urgent. And uh, you know what I mean? And I'm sure I'm not the only one. So I think it might in the short term make people a little more adventurous. And on that subject, do you think that um, the discovery that you were certainly at the, at the avant-garde, a pioneer, a leader in terms of um, certainly Thailand, as, as, as everyone would know, um, all those years ago, do you think that those, that the backpackers, the younger people will once again be the pioneers? Or do you think that role might shift towards, for example, the ultra high net worth individuals for, for where, for example, in the Maldives or, or, or another in Seychelles or in other of these kind of glamorous destinations, they've been the pioneers. I think you're going to see both of those because those are sort of the ones, both ends of that spectrum, even if they might seem like opposites, but they're, they sort of are not because they're both being very, it's either you have so much money and time, leisure time and, and to plan and to fantasize and to think about the more extreme sort of travel, not only extreme in terms of physical extremes, but, you know, sort of cultural extremes, shall we say. And, uh, and then on the other hand, backpackers, so-called backpackers, who are just used to always looking for the next place. So I think those two markets intersect in terms of their, their motivation a lot. So I think you're going to see those people, those sectors really um, jumping in, just leaping right back in. I think it's going to happen, going to happen very soon. One thing I, I wanted to say is that um, I have a feeling we're going to see more overland travel. Because the air, airlines have been so severely impacted. Either they won't exist, the routes won't exist, prices might be very high. I mean, at the moment, I know there's a lot of promotion, but I'm not, I can't see that really sustaining. So I think we might see more overland travel, among, especially among the backpacker sector. And Joe, yeah. what do you think about the future of destinations? I mean, famously, you're the author of, of the Lonely Planet Guide to Thailand. And with the Thailand we see today, 40 years on from when you first wrote that guide, is obviously dramatically changed. It's now a mass tourism destination. Do you see this virus as a chance to reboot Thailand, to reimagine the future of the country as a tourism destination? Or do you think it's had its day and people are moving on to less discovered, more interesting corners of the world? That's a very good question. Um, and I think it applies not just to Thailand, obviously not just to Thailand, but a few other places that would seem to have been totally adopted by mass tourism and thus less interesting to people. But the, the funny thing is, I've just been in France, in southern Thailand, and uh, I was the only foreigner there for five kilometers on, on the beach that I was on. And, and uh, talking to people locally, they said it's pretty much like that even in high season. So there's still there's a lot of undiscovered Thailand left, I think. But it does give the infrastructure in Thailand a chance to cool off a bit. I'm not that optimistic long term, though, because it reminds me a bit of Back in 2004 and early 2005 at the tsunami, they were all, everyone was talking about how they were going to redo, you know, be more ecologically conscious, environmentally friendly with infrastructure on the beaches, because a lot of it was just, you had to start from scratch, especially BP is a good example. But it didn't take long. It did not take, you know, it took two years maybe for all of those, um, those hopes to be shattered. It was just replaced by the same, uh, you know, adverse sort of that negative infrastructure so i think in the long term this is going to be exactly the same as thailand but i still think there's a lot to see in thailand and thailand is still getting huge numbers 
it's a, it's a really good sort of beginner destination still for Westerners. Do you think <clears throat> that the reasons and the purpose of uh, why people travel and why people are particularly, I don't know whether they're coming to Thailand or, or elsewhere in Asia or, or wherever they're going, their purpose might shift more towards mindset, physical wellness, changing what they're, why, they are, why they're actually going on vacation. That's another great question. I thought about that too. Will, will people's, will the type of experiences they're looking for, will it change afterwards? Yeah, I, I would think spirituality might be a little more in focus for some people, for, you know, a large number of people. But, and I think other people will be just wanting mindless beach escapes. People who you know, have been locked down in cities probably going to want to get to the great outdoors, to beach areas or national parks. And, so I think well, you might see those two trends for a while. And then, again, I think everything will settle back into a normal, whether, you know, for bad or for, work, uh, for good or for bad, it's going to be no change at all long term. I mean, as you say, as, as you quite rightly say, Joe, I mean, there's, you know, they were looking, I think, at what is it? Was it 40 million? They were looking at 40 million travelers, particularly into Thailand um, this year. And it's, you know, while we, we know we have listeners all over the world, Thailand's a really good barometer of this. Shifting the fulcrum, shifting the needle with 40 million. I mean, today now they're, they're talking about 16 million, but it doesn't really matter. As you say, it's still a lot of people. Shifting the needle to purpose is, is a huge thing. I mean, even if you shift it a little bit with 40 million people, if you go from this, from, from wanting, you know, a, a mindless beach vacation to wanting something a little bit more cerebral or something a little bit more meaningful yeah. is one massive economically, you know? Um, I think, I mean, my, my, my prayer, my hope, one of the great changes we'll see is less of this massage stuff, less of this kind of bullshit massage that's on, you know, that's just, ubiquitous and tinged with, 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 with whatever. But, and if it actually evolves into something a little bit more spiritual or a little bit more meaningful, as Catherine said. I think that will happen. I think that's, yeah, I think that, but I'm not sure for the long term. <laughs> the long term, I'm not, I'm not as optimistic. I just kind of see, I, I, I think of the tsunami and not everything. It was, it was kind of an optimism born from the ashes, and it just didn't last that long. Uh, but I think you will, you'll definitely see, I mean, yeah, people are more focused, I think, on, on, on nature and on, will be for a while, they'll be more focused on nature and maybe internal experiences as well. I think the, 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 while the tsunami, of course, was, 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 was one of the most terrible tragedies ever, um, this is way more global. I mean, I remember very clearly the, the events of the tsunami. It was, you know, it was like a terrible accident. It was a terrible, terrible, tragic accident. Right. But I don't think it moved mindset. It wasn't going to happen again. The, the chances of it happening were, were, pretty, were very, very slim. It happened. It didn't change mindset. I sense and I, I, that this time it might be different. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that people have been cooped up. I mean, certainly in parts of Europe and the US for possibly even longer than we have here in Asia, been cooped up for so long under lockdown that I think they've had more time to think about what it means to travel and what they're missing by not traveling. And potentially, yeah, potentially there's more space for that shift in, in, in mindset. Yeah, I think you're right. I think, I, yeah, I think you've convinced, you've convinced me. <laughs> but again, maybe that now we're talking maybe medium term and long, long term. I don't know. Yeah, that, you know, how, how short are people's memories, I guess, is always that question, right? I was just, I mean, thinking for myself, I mean, this, now this slight relaxation of lockdown where you can now go out and have a bite to eat or whatever after so many weeks of not being able to. And I, the first time I went to a restaurant and met some friends a few days ago, Fortunately, in a restaurant that wasn't too strict about all the barriers and stuff, so it felt relatively normal. Um, it was just the feeling was so I was it was ecstatic. We all felt the same way. We're just like I can't believe we're together. It was like we appreciated each other. We appreciated you know sharing food together in a way I had never felt in my life, basically. Uh, and now I've done that three or four times, and that feeling is already fading. <laughs> the high of that first social interaction. It's, the glow is sort of, it's waning a bit. So I'm thinking the same thing with travel. Yeah. We had staff coming back to the office this week for the first time in about two months. And it was like the first day of school. Yeah. It was that amazing feeling of seeing your friends after, after the long summer holidays. And uh, really joyous as well. Joe, in terms of the, in terms of travel and in terms of um, destinations and, 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 and change, and while you you believe that um, there will still be a search, a yearning for new destinations, how do you think? And you've obviously been on the other side of the fence as a writer, and you've always been, you know, as a, as a pioneer at the avant-garde. How do you think destinations can and should market themselves um, in a post-virus world? Yeah. Um, I think the first, in the first instance, it's, it, everyone's going to be concerned. You already see this in, in the marketing. You know, travel suppliers are starting to market again as is trying to assure that there's a safe environment in terms of sanitation and, you know, social distancing. And all. And so that's going to be a big part of that. Already all the hotels are, that are reopening or having, you know, advert, they're promoting the fact that they've been COVID-free certified or whatever the, the terminology is to show that their places have been either inspected or or, or, or changed, uh, modified in some way to respond to it. So that's going to be a huge, huge part of it. And I don't know how long that will last. That's probably going to last quite a long time. And I think that'll impact the market a lot. I think, a lot of people that are more, say, middle, middle level travelers who are somewhat, you know, they need to plan a lot. They need to have a lot of confidence that things are safe. They're not, they're risk adverse and say risk adverse travelers. They will be looking very hard at that kind of, that kind of um, assurance from travel suppliers. So I think that will change the market hugely. It's going to be very expensive also, obviously, for travel suppliers. Um, in terms of actually changing the total experience to adapt, I mean, maybe for the, uh, as we were talking earlier, they might be, you know, more meaningful experiences. But I felt like, actually, 
to be optimistic in reverse and in, in retrospect, I think that's the way travel has been going anyway. It's becoming more and more experiential. Everyone's trying to feed more meaning into the experience, uh, whether it's luxury travel or, or budget travel or whatever. So maybe we'll see more of that too. But I, I, yeah, those two things, making it more meaningful and making it appear as if it's not risky to be traveling. So potentially those destinations that maybe uh, position themselves having a deeper purpose, a deeper connection to local experiences, to authenticity, those are the ones that will probably come through more successfully post-crisis? I think so. I think so. Absolutely. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously as a writer, Joe, you've, you've been contributing and writing prolifically over the last few decades for Lonely Planet amongst, amongst other publications. Lonely Planet itself just recently announced the closure to its offices. It's obviously suffered very badly during this crisis. What do you, what do you, what's your thoughts on the future of curated content of, you know, these kind of traditional travel guidebooks versus user-generated content versus social media in, in the sort of digitized world? Yeah, I think well, digital content is is has already won that battle. I think print print media has become sort of a um, a niche, you know, a niche market. It's it's all it's for people, not just people who think that they prefer books, whatever, but it's a it's almost a status symbol in a way to now to, to use a book or listen to vinyl rather than streaming digital music. Or, you know, so I kind of I kind of equate that. I think it's a very very niche, almost luxury market that wants to do print and guidebooks doesn't guidebooks don't necessarily fit into that market at all. So I don't, I don't, I'm not very optimistic about the future of guidebooks and I have not been for several years. It's, it's been declining for several years and, uh, and partially do I, it's partially the fault of the publishers. The publishers have been playing it safe too much. I mean, when I started Lovely Planet, they were really daring in the content that they, they, they permitted and that they, and the kinds of travel they, promoted and it just got very very tame very quickly within 20 years or so and i'm not just lonely planet all of them everything became everything became a focus uh, focus group marketing kind of thing it's like okay i just started happening to me in my late part of my career with lonely planet i turn in on the manuscript and uh, the editor would say okay you put this little town in, in northern thailand we know this rough guy doesn't have it floaters doesn't have it fieldings have it. I mean, do we really need it or we did a focus group and nobody mentioned this town so I don't think it's really necessary. We need to economize on pages. So how about we take it out? See, at the beginning, they would never think like that. With, they, with the philosophy at the beginning is get that town that nobody else has written about, nobody's been to, and, and, and talk it up. So uh, the, the guidebooks deserve to die. Do you see that as a tragedy? Yeah, I think it was a loss of vision. I see it as a loss of vision on the part of uh, the, the, you know, the pioneers, of the, the publishing pioneers of... Uh, Alternate, so we say alternative guidebooks. Also, I see a, fail, a big failure in making that crossover from print to digital. Uh, I mean, they, we had the same resources. Guidebook publishers had all the same IT resources as anyone else, in, in, anyone else, any other company. And yet, I, I felt like you know the um, the digital world adjunct to their publishing just didn't wasn't on par. So they they failed that as well. Digital is where it's at. It's it's you know, it's so much faster and more immediate. And even, and curate, I still believe in curated content, the crowdsourced information for trial is very, you know, it's very faulty, you know, TripAdvisor, as we know, it's not very reliable, Google reviews, but, you know, these, these crowdsourced information avenues just aren't that satisfying. People are, so the, the best 
appreciated, maybe the best selling, I don't know, are, are digital sources online where uh, there is someone responsible for separating the wheat from the chaff, so to speak. And then a lot of times it's just personal blogs. I always, when I'm, when I'm planning a trip to somewhere, say I'm going to Tunisia or something, and I've never been, I just look, I try to find someone that lives there that does a reliable sounding blog, and I start taking notes from there. Yeah, it's, I, I, I have to say, I mean, I, you and I have been, you know, we've known each other for a very long time and have worked together for over the last 30 years. And I believe, like you, that knowledge is the, without wanting to be an elitist, but someone who has greater knowledge, whether it's a local or someone like yourself when you were in Thailand, you know, 40 years ago, um, someone who has that knowledge and has that inner wherewithal, the inside wherewithal, that's rather than crowdsource knowledge, but maybe it's, you know, unfortunately our generation is, um, is probably losing out to that. It's a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. Yeah. I think some people are still looking. I mean, I meet young writers and young bloggers and, that are doing great work, and, that, and it seems like it's appreciated. Joe Cummings, pioneer of tourism and, 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 and travel, certainly not just in Thailand, but across the Far East. It's um, across Asia and the Far East. Really, it's our, it was an honor for, for us to have you on the, um, the Future of Travel. And we wish you well, Joe. Thank you so much. Okay, great pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Good day.